Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Mobile banking usage is rising faster than ever as a result of the pandemic, with close to 50% of consumers stating that the mobile app is the top three factor in determining their choice of financial institution after fees. It is imperative that banks offer mobile features that consumers crave most. However, it's not enough just to enable mobile banking capabilities. Banks must also remove friction and provide the user experience that consumers desire as well. My guest on the show today is Mark Donahue, founder and CEO of the Hong Kong-based iSky Research. In this episode, Mark discusses what makes a mobile banking leader, given the insight Mark has from monitoring hundreds of banks globally on functionality and user experience. So welcome to the show, Mark. First of all, I want to thank you for joining us, given the time difference between the UK and the US. Even before the pandemic, consumers were embracing mobile banking at an accelerated pace. But COVID certainly put the use of mobile in the spotlight as physical channels closed down worldwide and consumers were forced to find a new way to interact and transact with their financial institution. Given this background, can you describe a little bit about what iSky Research does and the way that your firm monitors how well organizations are providing both the functionality and user experience that consumers are expecting? Sure, happy to. First of all, thanks for having me on the show and hello to you and to everyone around the world that's listening in and all the best to to everyone for the season. I hope everyone's doing well. And I mean, in terms of what we do as a business, primarily we, we gather intelligence, right? First and foremost, that's, that's really what we do. In doing that, we take the position of the customer. You know, to us, it's really important that the, the perspectives that we're generating, the, the intel that we're generating and the, the discussions that we're having are really centered on what it is that customers want, what they need, what they expect and what they take away. And so all that we do, everything that we do in terms of capturing our data and capturing our intelligence is really taken from that customer's perspective. We independently and objectively measure the customer experience through a mix of methodology, including functional testing and benchmarking and customer surveys. And in doing that, we also capture demonstrations of customer journeys because we like to show as much as we tell, you know, as much as we're out there giving people an understanding through the work that we do as to what experienced customers are and are not having potentially with competitors and peers around the world. We also want to show a lot of what's out there and give people a really good understanding as to not only what is available, but what what good and bad looks like and, and what can be done in terms of those experiences. But you know, ultimately, we have a range of services that make uh, all this insight available and a range of customers around the world that, that are using it at the moment. And you know, we're, we're very excited about that. How do you do this? Do you actually open accounts at multiple financial institutions globally and then actually monitor the processes and benchmark, as you mentioned? Yeah, I guess in simplest possible terms, yeah, pretty much. Um, It's not, of course, just us uh, people inside the business that are garnering those accounts. Um, You know, it's it's not so easy for a person that is uh, perhaps based uh, in, in France to pop into their Bangladeshi bank and, you know, go and open a new bank account. It's, it's not quite that simple, of course. So in that way, we have a large number of, of people that we work with around the world to gain access and, and again, do so as customers. We, we certainly look to maintain a sort of level playing field when it comes to the product types and portfolios that those customers hold. But yeah, fundamentally, we, we get the usernames and passwords. And it's through that access, through 
the uh, the logging in and the the looking and the experience of benchmarking and, and seeing and comparing what it is that customers get that we ultimately gather. I suppose you could call it the bedrock of what we do, the intelligence that we have. But you know, there's certainly a lot more that we we also do beyond that to again gain a deeper understanding of the customer and what they need. In that context, how do you manage or how do you determine what the consumer wants? I mean, I see how you you manage and monitor what banks are doing. How do you figure out what the consumer is actually expecting? Well, to us, Jim, there, there really is only one way. Um, you know, at iSky Research, we we have the benchmarking, of course, and, and that is paramount to, to the vast majority of what we do. But to begin that journey to ultimately understand what we should be benchmarking for and what we should be looking for and, and how we dig into a deeper awareness of what um, providers are offering is to go and ask customers, right, to ask them directly and to survey customers around the world. And we, we surveyed thousands of customers around the world to, to generate the intelligence that we have around understanding what customers do and potentially don't want in terms of their digital experience. So we do that in a broad range of markets. We certainly have statistically significant sample sizes in those markets. And to us, it's really important in conjunction with what we do around benchmarking to also understand what it is that customers want as well as what they get. Well, obviously, in March, everything that we thought was normal got changed. And mobile banking became, in many cases, the only way that consumers could access their bank other than online banking because physical plants were, were closed down. What shifts did you see in the mobile banking marketplace, both from the financial institution, but also from the consumer side as a result of COVID? It was a really, really interesting time to be watching what the the providers were doing in terms of their responses to COVID, and and they were quite you know varied and different around the globe um, because you know the impacts of COVID were in many ways varied and different around the globe as the sort of spread came out of Asia and, and then went further around the world. I, I suppose more than anything, we saw a return to some of the I suppose first principles of what you know, digital banking is and mobile banking is, you know, about enabling customers to self-service. And, you know, in that way, some shift towards facilitating or enabling customers to conduct that self-service away from the branch and away from the physical environments that they may have otherwise, you know, previously relied upon. So, you know, in that way, we saw uh, increased access to documents, statements, proof of balance documents. We saw a growth in mobile check deposit functionality. Um, we saw continued growth in cards management. You know, that's that's one that's been a real area of growth over the last 12 months, 24 months in particular. Um, we saw continued growth around cards management, things like customers being able to order new cards and change pins and so forth. We also saw increased cardless cash withdrawals for ATMs and um, some of those changes as well. And, you know, in the same way, we, we saw some real innovations around what banks were doing to help protect customers particularly in those physical environments, you know, things like Capital One in the US starting to use QR codes to help customers identify themselves in branch, which is going to reduce the physical interaction the customer is going to have to have in that physical environment, right? They're not having to hand over as many forms of ID or whatever it might be in order to identify themselves. So, you know, there's been, on the one hand, a, a return to some basics and some first principles. But uh, on the other hand, we've seen some you know, real innovations around the ways in which we can help to protect staff, help protect customers, and ultimately continue to enable customers to manage their money and, and conduct their banking in a safe environment. So in this new world of mobile banking, is it more important for a financial institution to expand their capabilities and functionality or remove friction from the experience? What 
What are the levers that are the key when it comes from what a consumer really wants? It's, that's that's a really tricky one because you know we're all different and the, everyone has different needs and different expectations, I suppose. But I, I think fundamentally the answer lies in balance. I think that's about trying to balance out what we're doing for the customer in terms of you know the depth of functionality that we offer, the capacity to self-service, the the, you know, the range of journeys that customers can complete inside of digital channels versus the simplicity and the ease of interactions and journeys that customers might be going on. So I think there's a a balance in those areas that is certainly not an easily achieved thing. It's not a simple, you know, wake up one day, here we've got our strategy that's going to take us forward for the next couple of years, which balances security and ease of use and depth of functionality and ease of navigation and so forth. You know, it's a very, very hard challenging thing to achieve that balance and it's the kind of thing that continues or requires continuous adjustment and improvement and addressing in order to you know assure that we continue to respond to what the market wants and what the customer needs i I suppose that you know there there are different approaches and there absolutely are different approaches from from different banks and you know some the, the traditional providers have gone for depth some of the challenger providers neo providers tend to go for more focused and more carved or niched kind of offerings in terms of their functionality. And so, you know, they're, they're looking at their specific markets and their specific customers and looking at how to respond to them. So I, I don't think that we can have a one size fits all. I think, you you know, there's a lot of varying factors that, that come into the thinking around that. And, and ultimately, the answer is one that seeks to balance those, those competing elements. You know, I know your your firm really keys in a lot on the friction aspect, and and you actually have a friction score to find out, you know, how our institution is doing on certainly the initial components of engagement. From the perspective of friction alone, what providers internationally are the best at delivering an easy and seamless mobile banking experience? The friction score is is a new one from us. You know, at, at ISCO Research, we've long focused on depth of functionality and what customers have wanted. You know some of those elements that we talked about earlier, but the friction score was something we brought into market only a few months ago that we saw as a, a real opportunity to try and help inform and, and shape some of those discussions that we see around good versus bad, right? And and what people inside of providers and inside of banks tend to focus on when they're having that debate about, you know, what is good, what is bad, what what's going to work for us. You know, at its core, the, the friction score, like everything else that we do in terms of our measurement, is an objective methodology for determining friction that can really be applied to pretty much any journey that's out there. But in terms of providers that are doing well with it, again, it's a real mix. You know, we, we have in the, the launch report that we put out to market a few months back, we had a mix of providers that were both challenger and traditional or incumbent providers. And, you know, the top four or five in that group across, I think we ended up having eight or nine different journeys, you know, the top four or five were a mix of traditional and challenger. You know, they included on one end of the scale, you had traditional providers like Bank of America, BNZ in New Zealand, likewise Chase in the US. And then you had Challenger or Neo providers like Revolut and Monzo in that group as well, you know, in those top performing uh, providers. So, yeah, it's it's to us, it's been a real insight in terms of, you know, how that marries up with some of the other data that we have around the depth of functionality and, and what customers get and what they're looking for and so forth. But, you know, ultimately... Most importantly to us, you know, we're creating an objective um, measure to be able to determine providers that are offering those positive experiences. Your research looks at, as you mentioned, traditional banks, fintech providers, a number of different providers. 
What do you believe is the most important need from a traditional finance institution to move up the ranks of the user experience perspective? First and foremost, I think an understanding of their customer, you know, understanding what their customers want, what they need, what they expect. Why am I opening your app, right? Why am I logging into your online channel? I'm, I'm, I'm here because I have a, a purpose. There is something I'm looking to do. You know, whether it's as simple as making a payment or checking your balances, or it's because I want to update my profile, check my tax information, you know, check my credit score or whatever it might be. You know, there's a mix of reasons that customers go into digital banking each and every day. And I think First and foremost, we need to understand those reasons, right? Why, why are people here? What are they seeking to do? And, and to a degree, we can even take a step back from that and, and seek to understand, well, why are customers perhaps going to our branches for some of these things that you know, we do offer online and why, why aren't we driving more conversation or more participation in digital channels for that customer segment? You know, that's a different kettle of fish, I suppose, but you know, it's worth having a look at. But in terms of how to move up the ranks, well, yeah, simply put, offering more of what your customers are wanting or needing. You know, we see providers that have a significant depth of functionality, but then we'll miss the mark when it comes to some of those really key elements that customers are looking for, right? The, the complexity for customers to understand their fees or to, to lock their cards or to control security inside of their own experiences. You know, these are some of those areas that can often be found lacking in terms of the depth of functionality, control, self-service that customers would have available to them, you know, which would constitute, I wouldn't say easy, but certainly quick wins on the part of the provider, right? That, that we, we don't for a second think that anything is particularly easy when it comes to addressing those, those elements. But from the customer's perspective, they could certainly be considered, you know, necessities in terms of what they look for. So first and foremost, understand your customer, right? What do they want? What do they need? Why are they here? How can we self-service them? And then the question is, you know, how can we do it well, right? How can we do it better? How can we improve that? But yeah, customer first and foremost. So you monitor a lot of different functionality, more than just friction. Um, what other components of the mobile banking experience does iSky monitor and how does that impact what may be a different mobile banking leader as opposed to just simply the one that delivers the least amount of friction in experience? We do have a number of different metrics. Um, again, so to us, it's really important that they're objective. You know, we want to inform debate and discussion inside of our clients around how to offer a better experience to their customers with methodically sourced and objective data. So first and foremost, that's our concern. We can always have a conversation about what is good? What is bad? Is this journey better than that journey? Is this a better experience or a lesser experience, right? But we, we would rather have the data that underpins that being objective and, and a capacity to inform that through the use of visualizations and the, the capturing of journeys and um, the, the kind of material that we produce and put together in our presentation sessions. But coming back to the actual metrics that underpin this, you know, we talked a bit about the friction score. I've talked a little bit about the fact that we survey customers, you know, again, to understand what they want, what they need. But ultimately, it's the benchmarking that we do around what customers can do and what they can't do inside of digital channels that, that very much in, underpins a lot of what we offer as a service and the intelligence that we offer to our clients. We do measure hundreds of banking channels. And alongside that, fintech channels and even external to banking, you know, we look at insurances, we look at other areas of, of digital service as well. 
And in doing that, we we understand what it is the customers can do and what they can't do, right? Can they log in with biometrics? Can they make a payment? Can they apply for a new credit card? Can they change their email address? Can they download their statements, right? All of these measures that we apply, over 150 of them that we apply to each and every channel that we look at. So we understand the depth. We understand the capacity of customers to be able to self-service. We understand what they're looking to do in terms of that self-servicing, right? What are their priorities? Why are they there? What do they want to be doing? And then with the friction score, we're able to you know, dig a little bit deeper to understand which providers are offering those experiences, that functionality, and meeting that customer need with a, a journey that is offering a greater degree of simplicity and ease or one that perhaps is incorporating excessive friction or or challenging the customer in terms of uh, their capacity to be able to complete those journeys. So, yeah, we we have a range of different measures, um, but all of them ultimately help to inform a discussion that we can have with our clients around what is good, what is bad, and and who is doing well. So I know that it's a fluid marketplace and, and the best mobile banking provider changes over time, but right now in your research, who would you say is the best mobile banking provider from the perspective of meeting their customers' needs, but also providing experience that other organizations can aspire to? That's uh, I, I'm going to offend. There's no right answer to this one, Jim, because you're going to offend someone. Inevitably. It doesn't matter who you say. Really, got to be a top one somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there, there are there there are names and there are brands that sort of consistently you know are in the top performers of our measures and and providers that that do pretty well across the range of metrics that we capture um you know bank of america is one that i've mentioned uh, they do well in terms of the depth in terms of the alignment of that depth to the customer's need and they do well in terms of friction you know chase has taken quite a few steps i'm just thinking of some of the us providers right chase has taken right. quite a few steps forward in the last 12 to 24 months as well the challenger providers you know revolut tends to offer a comparative depth. You know, they're obviously in a, in a range of markets, so it varies market to market. We capture them across a range of markets, but they tend to offer a comparative depth of functionality versus their peers in that sort of, you know, Neo or Challenger bank space. And, and they do pretty well, both in terms of depth of functionality and in terms of friction. There's a few names in there. The other providers like BBVA in Spain, USAA, in the United States, uh, our providers likewise have consistently offered really strong comparative depth of functionality and experience to customers. So you know, they do really well in that space. And as I mentioned earlier, Monzo as a challenge provider does really well in the friction space. They don't do so well, which is not to say that they're performing poorly, but they don't do as well as some of those other names that I've just mentioned in terms of the depth of experience, but nor do they have the, the product range of a peer like Bank of America, right? And ones that don't offer that range of product. Right. So, you know, there, there's a few names in there that, that do pretty well, pretty consistently. Great. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast. You know, I'm really excited. Today, I'm announcing that Microsoft has become a brand new Banking Transform podcast sponsor. We're really, really happy to have them on board and excited about the partnership as we grow it going forward. Just for all those who aren't aware of it, Microsoft and its partners are helping banks reinvent payments, combat financial crime, manage risk, empower employees, and deliver a differentiated customer experience across all channels in a digital and physical world. 
Microsoft's focus is providing services that facilitate a trusted cloud with pervasive intelligence that allows banks to reimagine how they operate and deliver services. If you're a financial institution that is really looking to embrace digital transformation, make your experiences better for your consumers, and to really look forward at how technology, innovation, data, analytics can all work together in the world of digital banking transformation, be sure to check out Microsoft. For more information, visit Microsoft.com slash financial services. Welcome back. I am joined today by Mark Donahue, the founder and CEO of iSky Research out of Hong Kong iSky Research monitors hundreds of financial institutions, mobile banking capabilities, and user experiences to provide a benchmark for success. So Mark, your firm monitors financial institutions globally, both large and small. Obviously, you don't monitor every financial institution. What determines who you monitor? And if I'm a small credit union in Texas, why should I care about what a digital-only bank may be doing in Singapore? There's a, a couple of answers to those questions. First, uh, in relation to what drives the providers that we incorporate, that we benchmark, that's driven by our clients and our customers. So, you know, we talk to our customers, our customers talk to us about what they want to know, what they look for, what they're seeking to understand. We, we go out there and seek to gain access to those providers when asked. And, uh, you know, there's been many situations in the past where Clients have asked for access to banks in markets that we may not have been in, that we've gone out and sought that access and we've you know, found partners in, in other parts of the world that have been willing to help us with that access. So first and foremost, um, it's, it's driven by what our clients want, what our customers want. But we likewise are, of course, looking for you know, names and experiences that we hear good things about, right? We, we monitor discussion and press around providers that we may not necessarily have access to in order to inform you know, where we look next in terms of that access and, and the providers that we then seek to tap into. You know, you look for names that are being mentioned in the context of innovation or expansion and you know, some of the interesting things that you're, you're hearing from some of these providers and that will help to inform it. But to go to the question around what a smaller provider might be able to learn or garner from the kind of insights that we get, I think there's a few. There's certainly an understanding of innovation and, you know, the, the capacity to be able to see what those innovative experiences are by providers around the world. So, uh, I mean, you mentioned Singapore. So there's providers like OCBC doing some really remarkable work down there at the moment in terms of their depth, but also the, the breadth of functionality that they're bringing into the experience. Like one of the things that I've long liked from OCBC is an experience that they've had called People Like You, which has been in market now for like four or five years. But we know about it. We talk to our clients about it. Most of them have not heard or seen of it before. And it's you know one of those nice innovations that we can bring into a discussion that that help people to understand the kinds of experiences that customers are having on the other side or other parts of the world that could serve as a you know, source of innovation or inspiration to the kinds of things that they are doing as well. And ultimately, in that way, opportunity. We don't seek to you know provide all the answers to all the questions, but we do seek to inform the discussion that is going on around those questions, right? We, we, we want to bring fresh perspectives and fresh insights and fresh intelligence to those discussions to, you know, the answer to help answer or help inform the questions around, you know, what do we do for our customers? How can we service them better? What, what can we be doing in our digital space? So again, going back to the scenario of the, the smaller provider operating out of Texas or elsewhere, you know, we've seen even in the last 12 months, some really 
comparatively small providers um, that have done some really exceptional work, in, in some ways leading across certain experiences and, and demonstrating the kind of value and, and in many ways agility that they can bring to the market because able to be you know, that kind of provider by virtue of their attributes and virtue of their size. So, you know, one that has really been exceptional in the last 12 months that we only just had a look at was Redwood Credit Union uh, in California, Northern California, doing really great work, really, really solid depth, just the depth of experience that we had not expected to see from them. But, you know, a depth of experience that nonetheless puts them in the upper echelons of our measures uh, in terms of what they do. So there's always things to learn from from peers around the world, there's always inspiration and innovation that we can see from peers around the world. But likewise, we shouldn't be discouraged by size or, dare I say, even comparative budgets or, or tech when it comes to what we can do as smaller providers in our markets. So organizations globally are, are going to be under some financial strain next year because of the pandemic. From your perspective, and, and you monitor, as you mentioned, all different channels, if a financial institution is trying to set a priority on investing in a branch, online channel, or mobile channel, where do you think, generally speaking, should money to be deployed in 2021, and why? Well, I, I'm kind of get in trouble for saying this sometimes now, but you know, I, I think that the branch continues to have an important part to play in certainly in some providers and a large number of providers at that in terms of the experience that they give to customer. You know, I, I'm not a person that thinks that you should just completely dismiss the idea of branches going forward. I, I think that they, they will continue to have a part to play. And, and one of the important parts that they can play and really one of the underutilized parts that they can play in the relationship with customers is to help inform the customers about what they can do digitally. You know, if we think about the, the experience of a customer coming to a bank for the first time, right, what, what do they know about our digital experience? What, what, how, how have they learned anything about our digital experience? Certainly, there'll be a lot out there that are quite capable of downloading an app and having a play around and perhaps figuring out, you know, the vast majority of those experiences for themselves. But there equally is a large number of customers that are not going to be able to do that, that are not uh, digitally savvy, that are not going to be you know, naturally taking to the experience of, of digital banking. And, and in fact, COVID has shown that more than perhaps any other time in the last 10 or so years, right? COVID, we saw, as you've already talked to, uh, a pretty significant influx of customers coming onto digital for the first time and, and with them bringing an array of experience in terms of uh, their own capacity and, and savviness around digital, but also equally their expectations in terms of what they're going to get. So, you know, I, I think that branches... Branches should be beacons of education. They should be beacons of learning. They should be places that we can build into the fabric of what we do to service the customer that, of course, in part is going to relate to product, but also should very much relate to how we empower the customer to service themselves better through digital. Because ultimately, if we can do that, that's going to have a longer-term benefit for both the customer and the business. Right? The more that we can help encourage customers to use digital and service digitally, the more stress we reduce inside of our, our branches and so forth and, right, and the call centers. When it comes to mobile versus online or desktop versus app or whatever you want to call it, um, look, I, I think that we're going down a pathway in which we will see more homogenization. Right? We will see a greater blending of these two channels and those experiences that we're seeing. Um, historically, you know, our, our benchmarking has shown this absolutely uh, historically. We've seen a bit of a chasm between particularly larger incumbent providers in terms of what they've offered 
in the online space, uh, the, the browser space versus the app space. And, and a lot of that has, in terms of depth of functionality, tended to lean towards a greater depth, a greater array being available in the online browser space. We're seeing, I think, a bit of a the pendulum swinging back towards some of the mobile space. You know, we're seeing perhaps a bit more focus in terms of new feature introductions or trying to bring parity in terms of depth between browser and, and app. And, and ultimately, yeah, you know, we would expect that to continue to be the case in the short term. But as I said a moment ago, my my expectation would be that going forward we'll see more homogenization and whether it's five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, it won't be which digital channel will be that digital channel. If we go into 2021, and let's say you're a, a smaller mid-sized financial institution and you're looking to figure out where do I deploy my resources toward the, the mobile channel? What is, what is the must-have? What do I have to do as a benchmark for success, as a must-do if I don't have it? If you were taking over a brand new institution, they have a mobile banking presence, but it's not all put together. What is a must-have as we go into 2021? I would be looking at it from the customer's perspective. You know, I'd be looking at the footfall, the traffic that we're getting through other channels to understand, you know, how many people are calling us up or visiting branches or whatever it might be and how many of those conversations or or servicing can we look to move into a digital space? How's that going to help us as a business? How's it going to help the customer to self-serve and so on? You know, so first and foremost, you know, what what's driving the traffic in any channel that we're we're seeking to potentially move into digital? Beyond that, I think that what we're probably going to see in the next 12 to 24 months, which we're certainly starting to see a little bit of, but but not, I would say, drastic implementation of, is more of an evolution from customization to personalization, right? So more movement, not necessarily away from, but an enhancement of personalization for the customer. So a lot of that capacity for customers to have an experience that reflects them has been driven by the customer historically, right? So it's been driven by the customer going in and saying, I want to have this setting or I want to have this interface and I want to have you know, these uh, user credentials and this security and, or whatever it might be. That's, that's customization. That's driven by the customer. But what I think we're going to see more of going forward is a greater degree of personalization. And so if we're moving away from just wanting to look at ways in which we could self-service customers and move some of that footfall off and stress off other channels and bring it into digital, that, as I said, would be the starting point. But if you're looking for, I suppose, that innovation and that that space in which you can really start to seek to differentiate yourself, I think personalization is the space in which we're going to see a lot more activity in the next 12 to 24 months in particular. There are already companies out there starting to get into that space. You know, we've seen, say, providers like RBC, in Canada and, and Ally in the US that have gone down the pathway of informing the savings plans of their customers based on the spending history that they have. You know, we know that in part that's being driven, certainly in Ally's case, through third-party provider that's that's built that functionality for them. So, you know, there's an opportunity there to look outside of your business to integrate some of that functionality uh, for a quick turnaround, but you know, equally you might look to be developing it internally um, depending on your capacity. But ultimately, Jim, I, I would say personalization. That, I think that's um, beyond the, the nuts and bolts of things that we want to be doing for customers in terms of helping them to self-service. I think that the, the, the way in which we can help to inform their decision-making and in, uh, inform what they're doing with their money will come through greater personalization, which I think we're 
very much on the cusp of seeing a lot more of. Thank you very much for being on the show today, Mark. A couple things for my listeners. We're going to be hearing a lot more from iSky Research and Mark going forward. We're going to be using Mark's research to build a series of articles and also digital bank report on what it takes to become a mobile banking leader. We're going to be talking about things like friction, functionality, what sets some institutions apart from others. How does a small institution move forward and build a world-class digital banking capability on a smaller budget? How can they move forward to compete with the big guys? And, and oh, by the way, what are the big guys doing? Because on an ongoing basis, we've changed, changed in the marketplace. So, Mark, I, I, want, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today and setting in motion the discussion we're going to have in 2021 and beyond with iSky around what it takes to be a mobile banking leader. And uh, just really appreciate being on the show today. Thanks to you, Jim. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks for the opportunity to to come and uh, have the discussion. And, and like you, really looking forward to uh, exploring some of these themes and trends and experiences going forward over 2021. Uh, so thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. That's great. You know, this was a really great discussion with Mark Donahue from iSky Research. Not only does it give us a perspective on what it takes to become a mobile banking leader, but it, it really talks a lot about how they interact and how every financial institution may be different with regards to what they have to put into the mobile banking app and how they deliver it based on their customer base. As I mentioned, we're going to be working with Mark all throughout 2021 and beyond, looking at the research they do on the consumer side as well as what they're doing on the financial institution side to see what is setting the best apart from the rest. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, raised the top five banking podcast in Apple. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to subscribe to Banking Transformed on your favorite podcast app. In addition, please take a few minutes to give us a review. It helps us know how we're doing, but it also allows us to get high caliber guests like you've heard so far. Finally, be sure to catch my articles on the financial brand and the recent research we've done in a pandemic impacted world for the digital banking report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A big thanks to our producer, Liam Longbreak, and our auto engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, and Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Until next time, make every day a learning experience. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.